Welcome to this edition of the 401k and Beyond podcast. This is the longer form edition where we have meaningful discussions with folks in and around the investment community. Here is your host, Brian Williams. Hello and welcome to this show. We're live with Dan Ahrens, Managing Director and Chief Operating Officer, also a Portfolio Manager at Advisor Shares. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Brian. So how did you find your way to Advisor Shares? Sure. I've been through a, uh, a couple funds in the past. Um, back when Advisor Shares was first getting founded, uh, a little over 12 years ago by Noah Hammond. Um, he had known me from uh, some past funds that I had managed and got a little notoriety for and um, uh, wanted to hire me here at Advisor Shares. We had one of the very first um, exemptive reliefs to do actively managed ETFs. So everything here at Advisor Shares is actively managed ETFs. Um, ETF rules have changed a few times since then, and those exemptive reliefs that were extremely valuable, and we were on the front end of that. Um, you know, now funds, fund companies can launch ETFs just a little bit easier, and that's a good thing, bringing more people to the uh, to the space. Um, uh, but Advisor Shares has about twenty eight funds now, all actively managed. We manage some funds in house. We have a number of other funds that are sub-advised by people like Dorsey Ride and New Fleet and Gerber Kawasaki and a number of different names out there uh, that sub-advise funds for us. So we cover a lot of different ground, um, thematic funds, um, funds in certain industries. And these are pretty uh, niche products. How do you see, first the individual investor, how do you see the individual investor using these um, is it more of a targeted kind of short-term in and out, or are they long-term holders work, uh, working on a particular theme? Sure, great question. You know, I, I think that with um, actively managed ETFs, we're usually talking about portfolio managers and, and certain types of themes that are meant to be long-term buy and hold investments. We simply think an ETF, exchange-traded fund listed on NASDAQ or the NYSE, is just a better mousetrap in most cases than a typical mutual fund. Um, I came from the mutual fund space. Um, most people in our industry came from the mutual fund space in the past. Our funds are still what are called 1940 Act investment companies to get technical on you. But um, an exchange traded fund is usually more tax efficient. It's listed on the exchange. You can trade intraday. You can use limit orders. There's a lot of reasons uh, that we think an ETF is a little bit better structure. And we used to contact and target the fee-based investment advisor the most to use our products, use it in their asset allocations, have a good understanding of how these funds work. Um, but over time, Advisor Shares has launched more, as you said, thematic funds, funds in certain industries and in certain sectors and those have attracted more uh, individual investors, individual investors that it makes sense to invest in a certain theme if they want exposure to a certain industry, a certain sector. Um, but having an 
professional portfolio manager picking those stocks, keeping an eye on it might be better in some cases for some investors than trying to pick two or three or four or five or six stocks yourself and, and manage them all the time. Um, so we like the thematic opportunities that we can bring to investors, whether it's a fee-based investment advisor or an individual investor that finds out about our funds. Right. I think you touched on a couple of key things there. First is that one of the key differences, obviously, between ETFs and mutual funds is the ability to purchase throughout the day. So if you sure. see something that you're looking for at 1115 in the morning, you can get it at 1115 in the morning as opposed to four o'clock in the afternoon. The other big difference, um, not just between ETFs and mutual funds, but between in the ETF world is the difference between active and passive. And I think most people think about passive because of the big behemoths and the and the space and also that's the origins of etfs right yeah. and people think of spy so let's talk a little bit about the active management piece of it and and why you're not afraid of that no i i appreciate that question and um i'm a big believer in investing in uh, uh large low cost index funds like spy but once again if somebody is looking for a, a certain theme, a certain type of fund, we think um, an actively managed ETF can be an excellent way to do that. Now, the point of active management is to do better than an index, to try to add alpha over what an index could do. And it's hard for a large cap growth fund to outperform SPY. I think a lot of people have proven that. Uh, some do it. Um, they're, they're hard to come by, but some do it. But in an area, some of the areas that we offer, one fund that we're going to talk about today is Advisor Shares Hotels ETF, ticker symbol BEDS, B-E-D-Z. Um, there are funds out there that could invest in that area. Um, but we think in a limited universe of stocks, in a certain thematic area like hotels, it might be good to have professional management, knowing those stocks, getting good analyst information. We think in, in, a, in a thematic area, an area with a limited universe of stocks, um, we think we have an excellent chance to add alpha over blindly investing in an index. In certain areas like small cap and micro cap stocks, in certain industries, in certain up and coming industries, um, we think it's easy to get good information, be knowledgeable of the stocks, be good stock pickers, be good traders, and add alpha over what an index can do. In an area like hotels and travel, some of the very biggest names aren't necessarily the best names to invest in. So we like to use uh, knowledge that individual investors might not have available and then use that knowledge to overweight the best stocks and underweight some others and i'll be frank right now we are greatly underweighting cruises the okay. cruise lines we're not ready to get back on board with uh with cruise lines um we have a little bit of shares basically as as placekeepers of um norwegian Royal Caribbean, even Carnival, but um, we very purposely greatly underweight those stocks. And that's just an example of what we can do. 
And what's nice about the transparency of ETFs is all the ETF providers are required to put their portfolios on a daily basis, really right on their website and make that publicly available. So anybody who wants to go into advisorshares.com, pull up one of their ETFs. We're sharing the screen here for, for BEDS, ticker B-E-D-S, as we said. And you can go right down the line and see their see their holdings in there and kind of page through them if that's something that you wanted to do. So we and can a, get a into that fundal. If, if yep. people are pulling up, uh, you know, looking at funds, pulling up tickers, this is B-E-D-Z, mm -hmm. Z at the end. We, we didn't do that just to be cute, but the uh, <laughs> the beds with an S wasn't available. So we have a, a couple of funds, Eats, which is a advisor shares restaurants ETF. And here we're talking about advisor shares hotels ETF ticker symbol BEDZ. Now, Brian, as you said, the holdings are available every day. And we think that's a great tool to investors. Um, please look at our holdings, look at what we're doing. Um, we're very happy being transparent with that. We think more mutual funds should be more transparent with their holdings instead of waiting for you know, a 15 day delay and then every month or every quarter or something. Um, we like showing people what we're holding. As an individual investor, feel free to look at our holdings. I think it's good for two things. If you just want to get some ideas, copy what we're doing a little bit, you'll see that the top holding in our fund is something called uh, Target Hospitality, ticker symbol TH. A lot of people might not know what that is. It's a smaller cap stock. It's not uh, something you're going to see talked about on CNBC all the time. And uh, again, very different than an index here. This is not the largest cap stock in the hotel industry, but we think it's a very, very good one. So look at our ideas. Feel free to invest in individual stocks. Or if you look at our holdings and you like what we're doing, then it makes sense. I think investors should invest in what they know and what they understand. And we like those holdings there to help investors understand what we're doing. You mentioned you mentioned the cruise world and, and said you were underweight that area. Mm -hmm. um, so why are you underweight, underweight cruises right now, Dan? Well, uh, you know, a big reason we launched Advisor Shares Hotel ETF and Advisor Shares Restaurants ETF was right when middle of COVID. We knew that these types of industries were, were suffering with COVID, were, were getting uh, you know, government assistance, things like this, and then would probably bounce back in a very big way. We didn't want these funds just to be COVID bounce back plays, though, because we you know, looked at these industries and thought, you know, this is a very much global story. It's not just the United States. People are traveling more and more. The, the entire planet's getting more globalized where people are traveling around the world. We see that trend continuing indefinitely. And um, we like the hotel industry for the long term. But um, quite obviously, a, a COVID bounce back play here. Now, if you looked at our fund a year and a half ago, I would have, I was saying things that were very much heavily weighted in leisure travel, in vacation travel, because business travel wasn't coming back quite yet. And the portfolio looked a little bit different. Um, over time, we've now gone much more into some of the biggest brands like Marriott, and Marriott Vacation Club, and International Hotel Group, IHG. 
um, while still mixing in some certain plays uh, like uh, vacation clubs and others. But cruise lines, <laughs> cruise lines suffered an awful, awful lot with COVID. Um, there was a couple of COVID cruises that had people locked up on those. And that was even following prior to COVID. Some stories coming out about certain cruises um, with, uh, there was some fires, there's a broken down uh, cruise line, all sorts of things. Now, we know the cruise industry is not going away. It's very strong. It's a multi-billion dollar business. But at current prices, um, we don't think the cruise lines are back to full speed. We think there's an, uh, an awful lot of you know, different countries looking at COVID in different ways still. And that's why we're not ready to get back on board with the cruises yet. Okay. That's a good explanation there. And so how about some of the, the resorts? Uh, I mean, even Disney comes to mind there. Is, yeah. is Disney something you could look at as part of your portfolio either later or have you held that in the past? Yeah, no, we, we've certainly held Disney. Um, it was a rather small holding in the portfolio. Um, you know, I think Disney's super interesting for their ownership of Star Wars and that whole franchise. But, um, you know, dollar in, dollar out. Um, you know, they have some um, geopolitical risk uh, in Florida as well as in around the world um, with uh, Europe and China. Um, so not really on board with Disney right now, okay. but the questions you're asking lead me to another good point that we want to say, um, about active management. Well, why would I wait one stock much more than another? I get a lot of good information. And the reason is I believe active management can thrive with a limited industry, a limited universe of stocks, like I said earlier. And then I do rely on certain tools of analyst ratings, earnings revisions. I get a lot of information when I see that analysts are raising estimates for earnings, future earnings revisions. I like that. It, tell, it causes me to buy. It causes me to overweight. Um, not waiting necessarily for the quarterly earnings to come out, but looking at a lot of tools for analyzing earnings revisions and how analysts are looking at those stocks. I also get a lot of good information from analysts and I've learned which analysts I like, <laughs> which analysts I tune out, which analysts might be um, unbiased in their good information and which analysts might not be. So um, don't rely on an individual stock picker, rely on good information. But again, as a stock picker, you know I'm using that information as a good tool and that's what causes me to have uh, a top holding in something like Target Hospitality, which is, I think, is a real interesting holding, again, that I mentioned that a lot of people might not be familiar with. Yeah, that's right. I had to look it up when I was going through your holdings, too. <laughs> you mentioned a lot of the traditional ways to research stocks and the analysts and the reports, mm -hmm. specifically to beds. What sort of non-traditional ways do you use? Is there access to bookings? And are you looking out to see what type of reservations they have long term? And how that compares to their historical averages? No, great, great question. Great question about looking under the hood. And um, for that, I let analysts do their job. Mm. Um, sometimes uh, trying to pick stocks, you can uh, you lose sight of the forest through the trees. 
um, getting too caught up in, you know, one booking here versus booking there and, um, you know, what, what occupancy rates are, you know, there's analysts that their full-time job is to look at these hotel companies to sort out that information and, and then, uh, you know, put in their, their, their price targets, their, their ratings, uh, their revisions, everything else. And again, some of those analysts, I put a lot of weight in some of those analysts, I tune out completely. Um, you mentioned them about bookings, this fund, uh, advisor shares, hotel ETF. If people think that's a good idea, it also has the ability to invest in booking.com Expedia. Mm -hmm. Um, something that's a little bit different, but, uh, related because it's more technology oriented as, uh, you know, Airbnb, another stock. Um, we, we own some of those stocks, um, right now. We're not really high on them <laughs> a little bit, uh, uh, look at our top 10 holdings, get a good idea of what we like. A number of holdings that we mentioned, like you know, Target Hospitality, Blue Green Vacations, Playa. Um, those are resorts in Caribbean and Mexico. And those are some that people might not be too familiar with. Combined with, peppered in with, Hyatt, IHG, um, Marriott, some of the others. Also casinos. You know, casinos, uh, you know, can... Uh, are very much in the hospitality and hotel business as well. So we also, uh, you know, do take a close look and at various times have owned um, big weightings and casinos. Who's uh, how frequently do you change your portfolio? Um, in this particular fund, we don't, it's not rules based for weekly or monthly rebalances. We watch the portfolio on a daily basis. Are we turning the portfolio every day? Uh, no, not at all. But the portfolio can change on any given day, any given week. Um, while I say that, overall, we aim for generally low turnover. Okay. When I talk about turnover in ETF, though, um, you know, people really need to be aware of the difference between a typical ETF and a, a typical mutual fund. When you see a mutual fund, you see high turnover. If a fund's going up in value, it can mean taxes. It can mean taxable distributions. And that's where it's important for people to really understand the inner workings of an ETF. Um, an ETF internally can be a lot more tax efficient than a mutual fund because of the way creation baskets and creation redemptions work. Now we could spend a whole 30 minutes or more talking <laughs> about that. Uh, I won't, but uh, our turnover def does not necessarily lead to taxes at all if an ETF is managed correctly. And you mentioned about traditional ETFs that people think about the track indexes and that's how they measure performance. What are the performance benchmarks for you since you are in such a niche area with most of your funds? Yeah, great question. And, um, you know, ETFs, when they started, were all index based, but there's nothing in the words exchange traded fund that means it means it's an index, just like there's index mutual funds and actively managed mutual funds. So we internally compare to a number of other leisure funds, um, consumer discretionary funds, things like that for our own benchmarks to know that we're doing a good job. But the fund officially on our website and in our annual report and perspectives just compares to the S&P 500. 
And, and the reason we do that is uh, we don't want to get too cute. And we just want to give people a benchmark that, again, they know and understand. I think people also understand that, you know, the, the hotel industry is not supposed to track the S&P. It's, it's going to be different than the S&P. Sometimes it's going to be better. Sometimes it's going to be worse. But yeah, we just throw that out there as something for individual investors to compare to and know what it's doing. Um, but we compare ourselves internally to um, a lot of, you know, inside industry, other comparable funds, to consumer discretionary, leisure. But there's very few specific um, travel and specifically hotel industry ETFs. And I think that's... Uh, Again, a tool that people can easily understand and might want to invest in when they're diversifying their investments. As I say that, remember that a fund like this should be a satellite investment. And Brian, in what you do, I'm sure you educate a lot of uh, investors about core investments versus satellite investments. No, don't put all your money in hotels, people. <laughs> it's not meant for that. It's meant to be a satellite investment if it makes sense to you. And you think it might be a good time to invest in, uh, you know, hotels in that industry. That's what's there for. Right. This is this is for people who have a hunch. This is for people who have the, you know, 95 percent of their portfolios over here. And then five percent is to is to follow their hunches and give people something to talk about at dinner parties and whatnot. Right. So <laughs> uh, not necessarily that. I think it can be more. But okay. um, but yeah, as I said, there's a lot of people out there that might think. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I, I travel. I see what's going on in the hotel industry. I've looked at these top 10 holdings and, and there's some real gems in there. Um, but yeah, that, and that's what a satellite investment means. Not your core investment, but a satellite investment that can add some alpha, can add some performance to your portfolio. You know, if hotels do better than the overall market, we think they can. And you're involved in not just beds, but a number of other funds there what has been gaining a lot of traction getting a lot of interest from investors recently among the whole advisor shares portfolio <laughs> certainly because we do have a, an awful lot of funds again i manage some and others other we don't um as i mentioned we have advisor shares hotel etf advisor shares restaurant etf we have something uh certainly uh intriguing to many people advisor shares vice etf Years ago, I founded a mutual fund called the Vice Fund, mutual fund. And it, like it probably sounds, invests in alcohol, gaming, um, hotels and, and uh, hospitality restaurants and um, tobacco even. Uh, I don't think people are smoking more cigarettes, but I always know that cigarettes are the most profitable consumer product in existence very wide profit margins on cigarettes, unfortunately. Mm. Um, the area that we've really been getting a great deal of interest in, people should be aware of, we have Advisor Shares Pure Cannabis ETF, ticker symbol YOLO, Advisor Shares Pure US Cannabis ETF, strictly United States-based cannabis, ticker symbol MSOS or MSOs, that's actually the largest uh, cannabis or marijuana fund in the world. Hmm. Um, it has been down. There's been a drawdown over the last 18 months or so. 
since there was a lot of hype after the uh, the last presidential elections and um, and Senate uh, runoffs, uh, cannabis stocks spiked an awful lot. They've been down for you know from those highs a good eighteen months or so. But a lot of people think federal reform of cannabis is coming. And um, once again, advisor shares, pure can pure U.S. cannabis fund MSOS. That's that's the largest cannabis fund in the world. What sort of regulatory hurdles did you have to to get those improve, approved? Anything different than your than your normal uh, drone drone fund or hotel ETF? A lot, a lot <laughs> of work. Um, I will say that here at Advisor Shares, uh, we have you know very good partners. Um, a lot of conversations with the Bank of New York Mellon. It's one of the biggest custody banks in the world, and um, we had to have a lot of uh, discussions with them put in special rules in place for, for cannabis, a lot of conversations with the New York Stock Exchange, NYSE, and they were good partners as well. They worked on a number of, of rule filing amendments, filings with the SEC. Our Advisor Shares Pure US Cannabis ETF was in its registration for an entire year. The SEC asked us to go get a legal opinion, a, a third party legal opinion from another firm about, uh, cannabis stocks in the US and how we could have exposure to them. Um, so we were very upfront, a lot of communication, a lot of work behind the scenes uh, to bring that fund to market. And um, a lot of people have copied us since that time. We were sort of brown, groundbreaking in some of the tools that we used inside of that fund to get uh, exposure to US cannabis stocks. Yeah, it's definitely a copycat industry. It's very much like <laughs> sure. NFL and a lot of other sports, right? Once somebody does something that works, everybody's all in. And that's fine with us. Sometimes it's the, the best form of flattery to be copied. <laughs> and that's that's still been getting getting a lot of traction. Yeah, I understand that the, the regulatory hurdles, a lot of it was on the custody side and the banking regulations, right? Yeah, uh, very much so. And again, we work with one of the biggest custody banks in the world, but... Um, if you do things right, if you do have a lot of communication, spend a lot of money on uh, on good lawyers, and um, but uh, we think we did very, everything correctly, and worked with very good partners in the New York Stock Exchange and Bank of New York Mellon, and um, you know provided a lot of information to the SEC so they could do their job and approve these things. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get your your feel maybe for the whole ETF industry and where you think that's headed. We've had a lot of. Um, Recently, the last month or so, a lot of single stock ETFs, a lot of that going on, um, some more leverage stuff, which, again, we could probably spend a whole episode on 2X, 3X funds. We're not going to do that. But what are, you, what are your thoughts on some of the innovation and, and where the next sort of lane for firms like you to run in is going to come from? Well, it's constantly evolving. Just like I said, when we first started, uh, you know, 12 years ago, we had to have certain exemptive reliefs uh, that we had to get a get from the SEC and from attorneys, and those are no longer needed. But uh, ETF rules are, are constantly evolving. The SEC is uh, you know, bringing in new rules about um, uh, derivatives uh, and, and their use and how much leverage you can have in a fund. Um, so it is constantly evolving. And single stock ETFs, like you said, came out. And I don't know if those are going to be a, a big hit if that's what the world really needs. But we've seen a slow progression of more and more mutual fund companies, the old line mutual fund companies getting into the ETF space. And it's because it's what advisors want 
it's what investors want. Now, do I think mutual funds are going away? No, there are trillions of dollars in mutual funds, uh, especially when you get into pensions and endowments and 401ks and everything else. But most new investment dollars are going much more into ETFs. Now, they're still going in an awful lot to SPY and the other biggest uh, index funds. And that's fine, too, because firms like us at Advisor Shares want to provide those extra pieces that advisors and investors really want. And um, it's a good way to get exposure to cannabis or hotels <laughs> or restaurants. So um, we try to be an innovative firm. But everything we do is going to be actively managed, um, providing you know certain types of products to investors that want them. And as I'm saying that, one other thing I should say for, for your listeners, we have two short funds. And when I say that, I mean, we have two funds from different managers that are sub-advised that short individual stocks. One is more quant-driven. One is more fundamental-driven. They're looking at companies that they think should be shorted it's different than an inverse fund an inverse fund is a daily reset it's the opposite of the spy for instance these are in deciding which stocks they want to individually short and i'm saying this because it was innovative when we did it and it can be a very good tool for advisors or individual investors that want to hedge their portfolios if they're long spy and they want a certain uh, risk level in their portfolio, using a short type fund can be a good hedging tool. That is an interesting tool because unlike the direct inverse funds, that is something that in theory could also be up when the overall market is up. If the overall market is rewarding good stocks and your fund is penalizing bad stocks, it could in concert, you know, actually, you know, go with markets on the upside. Um, so it's different than something that is inversely correlated to the market exactly yep all right really interesting stuff well i guess we're up against half an hour we could probably go all day but i want to thank uh dan aarons managing director chief operating officer at advisor shares a lot of good products out there for your your explore part of your core and explore and uh so check out their website and see if there's something that scratches your itch right dan that is correct. Look at our website and I'd be happy to be back on another time, Brian, because we have a lot of uh, a lot of paths we could go down in these conversations. Yeah, we really do. I think we uncovered three or four shows during the course of the last <laughs> 30 minutes. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you.